Chris Fieldman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. You're going to pick KJ Hill. I am. And I, I know why, because KJ is going to model consistency. I think the one thing, the one question mark, and I could be mistaken on this, I usually am not mistaken on my uh, football stuff, but I might be. This might be one of those rare moments. One of those rare moments. I'm not, you know, I'm not a two-time state champion, but I, you know, I did finish fourth in the state and in fifth, excuse me, in the shot put in the state. Very nice. 11 and a half. Uh, played a little you know. football in the NFL. I made Pro Bowl a few times. And all pro a couple well, of times. College yeah, football. We'll see. We'll see. I suppose Does that, that qualifies you. To- we'll see. Does that qualify you, Mr. Spielman, to weigh in on quarterbacks in the NFL draft? Because that's what we're going to do today on a Wednesday edition of the uh, Spielman and Hoodley We Tackle Life podcast. It qualifies you to speak to linebackers at Ohio State. I can't wait to hear about that. And to yeah. volunteer at the James uh, Cancer Hospital Stephanie Spielman Breast Center. How are you this morning, sir? And- I'm well, and I also did a two-hour draft Twitter show. So since you don't follow me on Twitter. Oh, I do follow you on Twitter. I I was engaged yesterday. I was digging into Urban Meyer's history as a draft, a provider of draft talent yesterday. So I was a busy, busy man. I have to talk. Yeah, I have to tell the people. But I, I, um, excuse me, before we get started. Yes. I do want to say that. You have become one of my favorite follows Uh on Twitter. Uh Uh-oh. Did I step in it again? No, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm congratulating you because how you are handling discussions uh, on Twitter is absolutely fascinating and exemplary. Wow. For example, um, people come at you because of uh, your views, and your views and my views are pretty similar. I mean, mm-hmm. in a lot of areas, most areas, and when they come after you. You don't go back and attack, attack, attack. You just talk to them and present your side in a thoughtful, well-written way. And I think to myself, man, you know, this is so much more effective how Bruce is communicating. And it gets me to think on both sides of the issue. But I tend to go to your side, obviously, because, you know, we're pretty much aligned. But you don't have to. You're not snarky. With your comments, you're not. <laughs> I hope it, not. I'm trying not to well, be. No, but I, I, and I know it can be difficult because you know I've battled that in the past. Yeah, I think that you know your your way of communicating actually gets people to listen. So it's uh, it's been interesting. I just want to commend you on making a change. And when you know a flaw was pointed out to you, you didn't take it personal, or you didn't uh, get offended. You. You looked at the flaw and you said, is that true or is that not true? And, and to your eyes, it was true. And you made an adjustment and it's so much more effective. I'm only speaking from my perspective and my view because I'm actually searching Bruce Hooley on Twitter now. Uh-oh. So that I can see. Uh, <laughs> no, I like to see the, 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 the discussion. And it's rare that you get somebody that will discuss with you in a adult way because right away you know you're called every name in the book yeah i the only filter i have now is i sometimes uh the guys who get really nasty i uh i look and see how many followers they have and i figure to myself and this is a good barometer somebody told me this years ago bo bishop our buddy bo bishop told me this years ago uh if a guy has you know five followers and he says something really hateful toward me if i re if i respond to it then i'm giving him my followers and giving, you know, I'm putting out, I'm putting more stock in his response than I should. So I try yeah. to engage 
uh, with everyone who's civil, everyone, use profanity. I will not respond to you. I will not. Yeah. Uh, and if you get really nasty and uh, you're just trying to be provocative, I don't think you really want to have a discussion. You know, I probably won't engage either. But, uh, I, you know, if people want to know, well, what are you talking about? Usually it's something pro-life or something pro-freedom. Civil I'm, rights, yeah, basically. Yeah, basically like our. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Constitution. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the right to peaceably yeah. assemble. I'm not a big fan of just giving up what, guys stormed the beaches at Normandy to give us, okay? That's just basically is my approach. If somebody's taking a bullet for me, somebody's given up years of their life to go serve and they're doing it right now uh, to buy a freedom in a certain area, I'm not just going to hand it over because, you know, somebody thinks it's too dangerous to buy seeds. Uh, that's yeah. basically uh, basically my Twitter in a nutshell. So we move on to uh, NFL draft Thursday. This is the last social I distancing done, show. Well, I, I, I people don't need to hear five minutes of compliments toward me. They just don't. I, well, you know what? It's a podcast, Bruce. I know. You, you know, I, I think this is important. Okay. So okay, move. Go ahead, and we'll move to the the draft. But I, I was going to add something to that because yeah. I think it's we're at we're at a, a turning point, and we're coming to that to the fork in the road. And I'm just going to encourage people that I'm not going to that we are responsible as a whole as as people, and I want to encourage people to you know go out and responsibly do what you're asked to do. For example, mm -hmm. when I go out, I'm going to wear a mask because I talked to three doctors. The mask isn't going to protect me. The mask will protect somebody else from me. And so the responsible thing to do is to wear a mask. And I'm not, and you know what? And those that don't want to wear a mask, that is your a God-given right. And what you talked about, storming the beaches in Normandy, if you don't want to wear a mask, fine. For me, I'm going to take the responsibility to wear a mask when I'm out in, amongst crowds uh, to protect people just in case I'm asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Or, or that uh, I have a, a sniffle or a cold or something contagious. So that's a responsible thing to do. But I, um, I'm vastly coming on the point where I'm not going to become a slave to coronavirus. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And uh, but I am going to be responsible and, and avoid the most vulnerable. I'm going to be uh, aware and I'm going to be educated when I make these decisions. So that's all I wanted to say on that. And it's important because we are coming up on May 1st mm -hmm. and we are coming up on Friday where I'm coming to your house yeah. and I'm going to be responsible when I come to your house because I will probably stop and get gas because of the lengthy drive that yeah. I have to make. Several times you'll have to stop. Then I'll put a mask when I go into the, the gas station. And and be responsible. That's what I'm going to do. And so, but uh, you know, I'm not going to be a slave to coronavirus. I am going to be a responsible citizen uh, that is aware of my surroundings and aware of other people around me, and take the appropriate action. And I just want to encourage people to do the same. That's all I wanted to say. That's okay. important. Uh, that's important. I'm I'm perfectly on board with that. And I'm glad you said what you said about the masks. Uh, I. I tend to not be inclined to wear a mask, but, uh, you know, I try to filter my life through a biblical prism. Paul says, as much as is possible, live at peace with other people. If I'm in an environment where I think I could possibly endanger someone, 
I will put a mask on if I have yeah. to go into Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. But I will tell uh, anyone who may encounter me along the bike path between uh, Hilliard and Plain City as I'm riding my bike, I'm not wearing a mask outside. No. I mean, I'm not wearing a mask when I exercise. We can take this to ridiculous depths. Like if I'm out in the middle of nowhere riding my bike on Lafayette Plain City Road and there's not a person within a quarter of mile of me, I'm not going to have a mask on. It's just dumb in my opinion. And as you said, well, I have the not, freedom to decide that. Opinion. It's not only your opinion, at least from the doctors, and I've talked to plenty of them, that it's, you know, you're not protecting yourself from somebody else. You're yeah. you're protecting somebody else right. from you. And if you're not within a, a bunch of group, it just doesn't make sense to, to me. So it's not just your opinion and your God-given right, but it's also a medical opinion. So I, you know, that I just, you know, I'm watching the, the press conference yesterday and it's getting more and more depressing because I, I, I never hear any numbers of how many people have been released from the hospital. Maybe somebody can share that with me because I, for in Ohio, the state of Ohio numbers, we know, have you heard? No, they never publicized that. And the other thing that drives me crazy is the graph is always going up deaths, coronavirus deaths. Well, guess what? If one person dies in the United States. The graph, that's like, the graph will continue to rise. But if 50 people died one day and one dies the next, you could make a graph that shows the death rate is coming down. But that death rate, that, that graph doesn't make good media. So it's never shown. I, I, I don't understand why people don't say how many have been released from the hospital ever. And then I, <laughs> I saw a graph, I mean, I saw a stat that, you know, 76% of the deaths are people that are 80 years or older. And If I tell you why, we're going to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> there's been 30, 33 deaths, I think, of people that are 49 and, and younger. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I just think we can take precautions for our most vulnerable and, and not become a slave to coronavirus. I don't understand. I don't understand why people don't see that i don't understand and maybe i'm maybe i'm being over uh over anxious i'm not being patient enough maybe i am and i'm certainly willing to listen but when there's hot spots and we can isolate the hot spots to tamp it down that's what at least dr amy Atkin was saying yesterday mm -hmm. and if if our our seniors are the most vulnerable then we have to take the necessary steps to protect our seniors. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, but 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 other than that, you know, we we can't put everybody in a bubble. And I was thinking about this, Bruce. It, it was like when you're riding your when you teach your kids how to ride a bike. I don't know if you've had now. Uh, this is just an example of kind of for me the mindset how I look at things. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to teach my kids how to ride a bike. I didn't want to let go of that seat and give them that final push and watch them wreck four times or five times before they finally get it. Cause that mm -hmm. hurts your heart. Right? Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of the, to me, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I understand that there's, for me, I am going to take the necessary precautions not to put others at risk, but I also understand that I, I'm not going to live my life risk free. I'm not. 
No one you does, know? my friend. And and you know, and I, and I was thinking about Stephanie actually, and there was certain things she was um, supposed to do, and certain things she wasn't supposed to do. I mean, we weren't, uh, you know, some people advised us not to have children. Uh, then, if if that were the case, and if we took that advice of not to have children, I wouldn't have Macy and Audrey today. But there was some risk involved. We mm -hmm. took that risk. Mm -hmm. We we chose to take that risk. Right? Absolutely. Well worth and it, so, sir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I understand that I'm putting myself at risk, and I'll take the necessary precautions not to put anybody that's vulnerable or elderly or avoid a prison. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm getting very, uh, I don't, just, I, I want all the information. I just don't want piecemeals of information. And I want clear answers. I don't want answers that are not answered. Yeah, you know? be nice. I mean, I just, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be, you know, answer. I'm not trying to, um, I'm just telling you my feelings on how I see it and how I feel it. And I think my feelings are a common sense approach. And there is risk in everything that we do and so it's our job and i'm an adult and my children are or will all be adults if we're defining adulthood by 18 they're going to educate themselves evaluate the risk and make their decisions i mean i'm i'm i, I i'm i'm not going to be a slave to coronavirus i think it's ridiculous to be a slave to coronavirus i'm sorry i i, I want to honor the governor and i'm going to and and we're gonna but may 1st uh you know, I'm not going somewhere, then coming back and have to have to feel I better get home and isolate myself. <laughs> I'm not a, going to do that. Take a bath and sanitizer. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm going to be smart, but I'm yeah. saying I'm I'm not like going to drive around in fear. That's insane. It's insanity to be ruled by fear because we talked about it from a biblical perspective that fear is a liar. Yeah. Now there's a difference of being understanding of your surroundings and making good, responsible mature decisions but i will not be driven by fear and anybody that is i feel sorry for you i do too i do too and i want to allude to that in the faith portion of the podcast and and that's really i think the jumping off point and you and i have the same perspective as you said earlier you know on many many things politics certainly on faith and uh, as I encounter all the folks that I do on Twitter who are so fearful and who are just terrified, I can tell they're terrified of, of getting the virus, of their mortality or whatever, I finally yesterday was able to crystallize it in a comment. And I said, I understand, I just don't share your, I don't hold on to my mortality with white knuckles. I don't. I don't want to die. I'll, I'll have a little story about my, yesterday was our wedding anniversary. I'll have a little story at the end about that. No one that I know of, you know, who's sane, unless they're in serious pain or torment, wants to die. But I don't have that fear about the virus. Um, and so, you know, I live my life and uh, be respectful of others, be respectful of uh, authorities, filter the information uh, through. If we get all the information. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I We're not getting it all. Pressure. We're not. It's all there. It's just not all publicized the same. So anyway, why? Why do you think that is, Bruce? You know why? 
No, I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and then is, this no. is where we'll have probably half the audience tune out. I, I don't I'll just give you. I'll give you my perspective as a journalist. Okay, my perspective yes. as a journalist. Because I don't. And by the way, I don't see any of them asking that, those questions. Does anybody ever ask those questions at, at those press conferences? I haven't seen every one, so maybe I'm wrong. When I had a premise as a journalist, I looked for information to support my premise. I wrote a story yesterday about Ohio State uh, first-round picks in the NFL draft under Urban Meyer. And so I was looking back on all the guys who went the NFL first round under Urban Meyer, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. Uh, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, I mean, they came here for Urban Meyer. And then I thought, well, then there's other guys who came here for Urban Meyer. And I was looking at, you know, Garrett Wilson. He committed here long before Urban announced his retirement. So if Garrett Wilson goes in the first round, in my mind, he's an Urban Meyer first rounder. Somebody who wanted to write a story about Ryan Day saying Ryan Day's doing a tremendous job developing talent and making first rounders could plausibly credit Garrett Wilson as a Ryan Day first rounder. They could say, well, you're nuts. He never played for Urban Meyer. So right. I can put forth my view on Garrett Wilson. They could put forth their view on Garrett Wilson. Many times as a journalist, you put forth the view that you want to be true. And in my opinion, the reason why we see dire reportage, as Bill O'Reilly used to say, is because they want it to be true, that it's nasty. Now, they don't want people to die, but they want to make the president look bad. They want to make the president look like he was not on top of it. They want to make Fauci look bad. They want to make Burks look bad. They want people to live in fear. They want ratings. Whatever the reason, that's why we're not seeing graphs of the, oh, the death rate's coming down. Look at this. A thousand people died a week ago on a certain day. And today, only, I don't know, 40 people died. 40 people dying is bad news. But 40 dying a week after a thousand die is good news. That perspective is not out there very often. And the reason it's not out there very often, in my opinion, is because that's not the premise they want to support. Thank you for explaining that. But why why wouldn't why are why are we not getting all the information from our leaders? I don't know. You know. I think they have in some cases, as I've joked with you before on the NFL, it's like they need a better PR person. It's like, no, let's put this let's emphasize this. Let's emphasize the positive here. You know, uh Governor Cuomo, a couple weeks ago, days ago, rather, said something that I thought was very positive. He said, look, our numbers in New York are terrible, but no one has died because we couldn't treat them. No one has died because we didn't have a ventilator for them. We didn't have a bed for them. We didn't have a doctor for them. So we've bent the curve. We've, tr we've treated everybody and gotten everybody to recover who could have recovered. Some people are beyond recovery. They have emphysema. They have other things. They're compromised immune system because they're under chemo or whatever. Those people we couldn't save. But, you know, he didn't say it callously. I thought he handled it very eloquently. He said they were going to die at some point. They died sooner because they got coronavirus. But we haven't you know, the, the fear initially was, oh, my goodness, the hospitals are going to be overrun. There are going to be people out in the hallway. They're going to have, like, three people on one ventilator, and two will die because they can't get enough air. That hasn't happened. And I was appreciative of the Democratic governor of New York giving some positive news, saying, look, the, the president helped us out. They came in. They built a hospital at the Javits Center. They did this. They did that. We're working together. We ought to be able to work together to save lives, and I think we're doing it, but we don't hear a lot about it. So I really appreciated Governor Cuomo saying that.
Yeah, and the other thing is nobody wants anybody to die. But you know what? Death is inevitable. I've lost people very close to me. Uh, I've lost people, um, best friends, to tragic car accidents. I've lost uh, parents early to respiratory disease. I've lost a wife to cancer. And so it really bothers me when somebody says, um, well, you don't know what it's like to have somebody die or you don't know what it's like to have somebody have, that has disease, which we see all the time, right? If, if you make a thing about living respectfully and not fearfully, uh, people will come at you. What if it happens to you? We all have had loss in our life. If you haven't had loss in your life, you just haven't lived long enough, you know? And yeah. so I don't want anybody to lecture me on losing somebody or watching somebody with disease or losing, losing somebody suddenly that's your best friend in a, in a horrific car accident. Not even a car accident, a guy weed whacking his mailbox and he gets hit by a semi truck that guy's drunk driver, you know? Mm hmm. So we, I, I just think it's, it's very dangerous, and this is my own opinion, and, and I'm, I'm trying to respect other people's opinions, and I'm not talking about opinions, but when somebody starts to lecture somebody else on, you, you don't know what it's like to have somebody with disease or somebody that suffers, you better know your audience before yeah. you make that statement. Yeah. So I'm sorry uh, you had I, to hear I, I, that. I, I'm sorry you had to hear that because that's just a, no, shows I, a callous disregard for knowing who you are and what I, you've been through. But but I'm tough enough to hear it. But yeah. I'm also I just want people to to understand. And I'm I'm sorry for taking us this way, but this is as passionate. I'm about our. This is about our country and yeah. our way of life. Yeah. Amen. And yeah, you know I I don't seriously. I don't want us to turn into a bunch of slaves. Um, I'm look. I'm all for helping people. I'm all for government helping people. But I don't want. I'm trying to get. I'm all for also not having people rely on somebody else for your general welfare, happiness, and well-being. I, I teach my kids that all the time. I don't know what you teach your kids. Yeah. I tell my kids, you are responsible for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no self-esteem in that. There's no, when other people are giving you everything, there's no self-esteem in that. There's no, uh, you know, that's not good for your self-identity. It's just not. And um, achievement, hard work, delayed gratification, all principles that are not just gratifying but biblical. And, um, you know, look, I mean, you say, wow, I'm not a person of faith. I don't care about those. You know what? We're all made by the same God. We're all wired the same way. You're wired the same way I am. I may believe something you don't believe faith-wise. We're all wired the same. So uh, mm -hmm. that's why all the things that I find fulfillment in, you'll probably find fulfillment in, in terms of those intangible things like hard work, achievement, things like that. That's what Chris is talking about. Um, yeah, well, the other thing, and you know what? If we don't get to it, we'll, we'll do, can we do another show tomorrow? Or you, can you do a show tomorrow or not? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just do a, we can do a, another show tomorrow. Okay. Bonus show. But because I think this is, 
I think this is, is, is vital. And it's I've, actually, I'm being selfish today because it's therapeutic for me uh, because I've been um, wanting to talk about this and have a good conversation with somebody. And I know I get that we're, we're on the same thing, but I need to get this off my chest because mm-hmm. I need to, to say to myself, what, what are we doing here? And I was thinking about the, the auction for the memorabilia and how many wonderful, generous folks wanted to donate to that, right? And our response and my response has been donate to a food bank, donate to a uh, the Salvation Army. I just mm-hmm. was watching a news show today, this morning, and they had a Salvation Army. There's so many things that we can donate to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, that you don't have to donate to my thing because we we've got this covered, right? We're we're going to get this covered. We're a few few bucks short still, but we're going to get this covered. We got it. I'd rather have you look at your neighbor and donate to him, or donate to something locally where it can have an immediate impact right next to you. The gentleman that bought the Big Ten championship ring last night, mm-hmm. I had a good a great conversation with him, and he was feeling almost guilty for buying it hmm. during this time. He said, he said to me, you know, with all the people suffering, I've been amazingly blessed. When all these people suffering, I almost felt guilty spending uh, $6,200 on your ring. And I said, oh my gosh, sir, please, Please don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what you're providing for people? So I went through, uh, he's a person of faith, so I went through the number 40, why we chose 40 weeks. I went through some of the stories that we've heard and that his blessings and his ability to give is helping so many people. I said, you're, you just gave us six months or, or six weeks right? You mm-hmm. just gave us six mm-hmm. weeks out of the 40 weeks. Do you realize what a blessing that is? You're giving to somebody else. You don't, you're not going to know who this person is that receives this money. That's right. You're not going to know. And I said to him that, you know, your generosity is an example for me to follow and it inspires me. And this gentleman also said that when he's died, he's going to put it in his trust that the trust finds a member of my family and gives the ring back to my family. That's awesome. So that, that's what, that's what I mean. And, and, you know, I just, I get so, um, I'm a little frustrated today because I get so, um, passionate about being an American, being uh, and about what was given up so that I can have the choices to live responsibly and not fearfully, you know? And so I just had to get that out. And and you inspired me because of how um, you have answered questions on Twitter with thoughtful responses, not third grade or seventh grade responses like you used to do. Yeah. And that's inspired me because what you you make such good valid points and it made me think you know it made me think 
And so I want to thank you today because you're making me think and you're giving me information that I can use. You are educating me and you're educating my listeners. They might not agree with it, but at least they're hearing what you are saying by your response. You know, and so I just wanted to thank you for that today. And you know, I know you have 20,000 plus whatever it is followers. So you you have, and as I told you before, you have this great ability and this talent by writing and communicating that when you use it in a positive way and not a, I'm smarter than you and I have a better comeback than you way, you're going to reach far more people and your arguments become much more effective when you present your arguments in a thoughtful way like you've been doing. Well, thank you. I, it's What has troubled me in this time is staying at home with my kids and wife, that's not a, an inconvenience for me. Honestly, I've, I've kind of enjoyed it. I've more than kind me of too. enjoyed it. What troubles me is um, I am an I'm an unabashed, I'm the son of a patriot. I'm the son of someone who served in World War II. Um, and we all know people who've served. And people serve now, even if they're not overseas in the military. People like our friend Trooper Randy and sheriffs and policemen and firemen and EMTs. I consider them to be giving up their time and serving their country. I love our country. I love what our country stands for. I love why our country was founded. For religious freedom and for freedom and for... I'm a supporter of capitalism. I'm a supporter of everything that I think is quintessential American stories. People like Paul and Grace at Hemisphere Coffee and my friends Bill and Mike from Universal Windows and guys who start their own companies and their own businesses. And it's it's heartbreaking for me to know people and see people who've put their entire lives into a dream of starting their own business, being their own boss, and seeing it um, imperiled or crushed by this virus and the necessary steps to mitigate this virus. It's no one's fault. It doesn't mean that it doesn't break my heart to see it. But what breaks my heart, what scares me more, is the willingness people have to just hand over freedoms that were purchased with human lives, brave men and women, that because a government official says, well, at this particular time, you don't have the right to freely assemble. Now listen, you can think, and you might be right, that it's stupid for people to come together and not socially distance and stand on the statehouse lawn and protest. You might think what they have written on their sign is moronic. And it may, in fact, be moronic. And they may be hateful. And they may not put forth a view you agree with or support. Or I, you and I may agree that whatever they're saying is not right. But we have to allow dissent, no matter how heinous it is. Because you never want to get in a situation where someone in power decides what you can say and what you can't say. Would I like to eliminate all pro-abortion demonstrations? Yes, I would! If you gave me a button that I could push to eliminate them, would I? No, I would not. No, I would not. Because then we don't live in a free society. Then Bruce is deciding who can say what and where they can say it and how they can say it. And Bruce cannot be trusted. No single person can be trusted. 
No one. It just can't be done. It's It leads to dictatorship. No matter how well-intentioned, it leads to dictatorship. It just does. And so that is why it troubles me greatly when people are like, well, but there's a virus, so we can't do this and this and this, and you're an idiot. Look, I get it, but people have to have the freedom to be an idiot. And you have the freedom to stay home if you are fearful and if you are immunocompromised. You don't need Governor DeWine and Dr. Acton to tell you to stay home. You don't. You can stay home without them ordering you to stay home. And so this is the thing that I have had my eyes open to during this period of time in our country is I always thought it would take a Herculean military effort for Americans to surrender freedoms that brave men and women fought for. The worst thing about this virus is we have provided a blueprint for a future someone or some entity that wants to take us over. And it's not to take us over by force. It's to take us over by fear. If you can create fear, people will just hand their freedoms over. I won't. You won't. A lot of people won't. But boy, a scary number of people will. And I just never thought that was in our makeup as Americans. But it clearly is. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of proven out that way. Here's the, the one thing, and I don't, I, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And this is just the one question I have. If, if I were to have an audience with um, Governor DeWine and, and Dr. Acton, I would ask, are we getting all the information possible, the good and the bad? Yeah. Are we getting everything? Are we, or is there something being withheld? Because for me, how I live my life, how I make decisions, and it's been a growth process for me, how I make decisions is not based on feelings or emotion. It's based on information mm-hmm. and gather the information. And this is what I try to teach my children. When you make your decisions, it's your job to gather all the information, look at all the information, weigh your options, and make a decision. But you can't make an educated decision without getting all the information, without getting it. I want to know. Um, okay, I want to know how many people in Ohio have passed away resulting of underlying conditions. I want to know mm-hmm. how many people where I have to go to an alternative website to look at how many t- people have passed away in Ohio that are 80 and over with, with uh, underlying conditions. And by the way, how many people in 80 and over with underlying conditions have recovered? I need all this information to make an educated choice yeah and decision don't take that away from me and what's shocking to me chris is a few weeks ago i asked 
on uh, Twitter, you know, you were saying earlier, why doesn't anybody ask these questions? And I'm a, I'm a journalist, and so are was. I'm not really that proud of it anymore because of where the way the profession has gone. But I'm watching these DeWine briefings, and I thought, what would I ask if I were there? And I thought, why is nobody asking Dr. Acton or DeWine or, or uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted what I think is a reasonable question? And that is, hey, do we have the number of people in the state of Ohio who died from respiratory illnesses in the month of March in 2019? Do we have that number? Because I'm pretty sure that the health officials track that number. Now, can you tell me the number of people in the state of Ohio who died of resp- over the age of 65 who died of respiratory illnesses in 2020? And I'm counting COVID-19 would be manifest itself as a respiratory illness. And I just want to compare those two numbers. I just want to compare them. Because that'll tell me, like, wow, a year ago we had 500 people die. And this year we had 5,000 die or whatever the number is. But if the number's insignificant, if the difference is insignificant, then I'm going to be like, hmm, that's interesting. Last year there was no coronavirus. Now there is a coronavirus. But the pushback I got on Twitter for asking the question was amazing to me. And I kept saying, was, and I kept saying to people, I was like, "What is the harm in asking for information?" I'm not. They're like, "Well, you don't think this. You don't think it's serious." I'm like, "I never said if it was serious or not. I'm asking a question so I can decide is it serious. I'm looking for information to help me become better informed." And I was stunned the number of people who don't want the information. They don't want it. Because we're already locked into whatever our narrative is. I'm with you. I want every piece of information I can have. That's just to make a decision. And it's also not only to, 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 for your choices, but then, okay, what can I do to protect people that might be more at risk? That's, that's the point. That, I need information to be able to make that decision. One of the things that was fascinating to me was... What do you tell parents or how do you make them feel safe? It's not the government. Is, is it the government's job to make us feel safe? Is it the, I, I don't understand. Mm. Is, or, or how can you ensure? What can, the government can't ensure anything. They don't have the keys to life and death. No, they don't. No, they don't. I mean, how can you ensure it'd be kin to asking this Bruce how can you ensure that one of my kids don't get cancer at age 30 how can you ensure that's that's the, the the words that they're using these these people that are asking these questions they're using asking and, and governor DeWine can't ensure anything no he can't dr Acton can't ensure anything Nobody can ensure anything. I can. I went to the Spielman Center to volunteer yesterday, and I saw a bunch of doctors. And do you think I'm dumb enough to ask, hey, how can you ensure that I won't have uh, pancreatic cancer next year at this time? How can you ensure that I won't have prostate cancer next year at this time? Give me that, you know, ensure yeah. that for me. Yeah. Give me that guarantee. I, I just don't, I, I can't comprehend this. And uh, I really, people that listen to this, they might think, man, Chris is a freaking idiot. But I, I just, you know, you cannot pick and choose because it, and control the narrative 
by deciding what information you pass on to people and eliminate the choice that people can make based on the information. We can't do that. We can't do that as a society. Then you have to be able to trust Ohioans and trust Americans to do what the right thing is to do. And that would be, as we talked about, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of who you're around, have have the, the responsibility and decency that if you're sick, take a sick day. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's not that difficult to me. I'm not, and I, you know, I'm just a football guy, so maybe I'm over, oversimplifying it. I don't think so. But I just need information to make those choices instead of telling me that we can't move without a vaccine. Are you kidding? By the way, there's no guarantee we'll ever have a vaccine. There's no guarantee we'll ever have one. And what what percentage will that vaccine work? Yeah. Are are you kidding me? Are you telling me that when we open up, that I'm only going to go to my destiny and immediately get back home and isolate myself? That's not going to happen. I need information to make decisions, and I'm a little disappointed that we're not getting all the information and that I have to look at other sites to find out all the information on the state of Ohio. That's, that's, I don't understand. Why? Why do I have to do that? I don't know, my friend. Why? It's... Um... I, you know, the one thing I wondered is, is, well, is this really bad and they're not telling us? Well, I'd rather know than not know. I need to know. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like dealing with, uh, you know, a sick loved one. Or, you know, it's it's like when uh, my roommate got killed by a truck. Hey, uh, Eric was injured. You know, tell me. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't injured. He was killed. Yeah. Please tell me, and, and you know Stephanie was like that. Don't just tell me what I'm dealing with. Let me know what the fight is. Don't sugarcoat it. What's the fight? What am I fighting? What What's your information telling you? Then I want to be able to ask the questions. Well, what about this information? Mm-hmm. You, you know. Then let us make our choices and our decisions. That's just how I feel, and I'm adamant about that, and I don't apologize for that, you know. And don't don't say, and and don't you know we we've done a great job as Governor Dewine has been. I, by the way, I think Dr. Acton and Governor Dewine have done a great job. We've done a great job of not overwhelming the hospital system. Okay, so we have to. Move accordingly. So now we got to move. Yeah, I mean, that was the goal, right? Like we were sheltering in place so we don't overwhelm the hospital system. Okay, I think we've gotten to the point where we're we're pretty reasonably certain. We've fortified our mask supply and this and that. We're pretty certain we got GM and others making ventilators. We have a reasonable certainty enough to start resuming normal activity that we are not going to overwhelm the hospital system. So we've accomplished our goal, so let's move on. Then if, you know, then if we have to make adjustments, we'll make adjustments. We'll make adjustments. But, but we can't sit stagnant and keep saying, well, in two more weeks, yeah, in June, in July, oh, in 18 months. What? What? I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't comprehend that. Well, here's the I, logic I that drives me crazy. 
if it saves one life. Well, okay, by that logic, nobody drives a car ever again. By that logic, no alcohol can be sold ever again. Because if you eliminate all alcohol, someone will not die of alcoholism. If you eliminate all cars, someone will not die in a car accident. Nobody ever flies on an airplane again. I mean, that logic is ridiculous if it saves one life. Would I like to save one life? Yes, of course. I would love to save every life. But you can't eliminate all risk. <laughs> you just can't. And so that's just such a such a dumb defense for staying locked down is, well, if it saves one life, it's worth it. No, it isn't. Even if it's my life, it's not worth it. Saving my life is not worth locking up the entire country. It's not. Well, I think the, the counter argument to that is, well, yeah, but when you do that, you're only putting yourself at risk, not anybody else. Then the counter argument to that is, well, if somebody makes the choice to drink and drive and gets in a car accident, and this just happened to a girl uh, from Ohio U that my stepdaughter's new girl from Youngstown just got killed by a drunk driver. So we're going to eliminate the sale of alcohol. Yeah. Because if, if, if you couldn't buy alcohol and that person that was drunk and driving um, made the choice not to buy alcohol that night because it was against the law, it would have saved one life. Yeah, so and let, let's, say I'm, that logic, let's say I'm governor and I don't drink. So I, no skin off my nose if we eliminate alcohol. And Governor Bruce says, you know what? Uh, that's an awful, horrible thing her family had to go through. We're eliminating all alcohol. Well, I have your best interest in heart, Ohioans. Come on, I have your best interest in heart. So this whole, like, well, we have your best interest at heart, so you can't go out. No, uh, you know, you can have my best interest at heart. It doesn't mean you're making the best decision for me. <laughs> so it's just, you can take this stuff to the nth degree and a, and a ridiculous degree, and I feel like we we may, if we don't realize that we've accomplished what we set out to do at this point. Will people get infected when we resume? Yes, they will. It's a very contagious disease. Will people die? Yes, they will. Unfortunately, will people they will. recover? Yes, they will. Look at the numbers. I, the I numbers would, of I people would, who I would know that. Yeah. I would not know that. Yeah, the numbers of people who recover are hundred hundreds of times higher than the number of people who die. Hundreds of times higher, not just ten times higher. Hundreds of times higher. So. Man. I, well, here's the other other question I had for you, and you know, I I don't I understand people's fear, I really do. I understand people's fear, I really do, and it 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 saddens me. I don't get angry at them; it just makes me sad. But I I just want to find out maybe you know somebody that is asking questions and you can ask them can we have all the numbers please how many people have recovered and from this then you're going to hear well there could be lingering effects well yeah there could be lingering effects for everything if you have cancer you got a lingering effect because the cancer uh depending on what type you have is probably going to come back mm -hmm. so they're lingering effect. i mean i i, I just you know, I, I don't want to live uh, in paralyzed fear and, and paralyzed. I want to be able to make smart, responsible 
choices. And I just don't understand why, why, why that message isn't constantly put out there. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And that, and that to think that, and I'm not saying they think this, I just sometimes feel that some people think that we are so irresponsible and so childlike and, and so dumb that we're not going to make smart, informed decisions on what we decide to do and not to do. I'm not saying everybody will. There'll be some idiots out there. There always are. There always are. But please speak to me with respect and not uh, not patronizing. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Condescending. Yeah, condescending. Don't be, don't be condescending to me. And I'm not saying it's on purpose, but it certainly feels like it at times. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, I do. I do. I just I just want my information agenda free, please. That's the profession I got into. It's not the profession that I stayed in. So yeah. very disappointing. All right. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll Maybe see. we'll get some we'll get some information because you know, I, I just I I'm not i I'm very disappointed in a sense that I'm not getting I, I get this overwhelming feeling that I'm not getting all the information i'm not getting the de death rate is rising because of this I, I just am not getting i'm not getting all the information on some of the other epidemiologists around the world are saying that herd immunity is the best way to make this go away i, I just want to hear that information mm -hmm. and for some reason we're not talking about that in our state I don't know about, are, are there any drug trials going on in our state? Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it. So I apologize if I did, but I just need uh, more information. And maybe you know one of those people at the state house that can ask, can we get all the information, please? You know, and the percentages and how many have recovered with underlying conditions that are 80 or plus as opposed to if young people get it, they'll die. Yeah. <laughs> Which is percentage wise or numbers wise. Oh, it's or, just, or it's, it's a, it's a unbiased information yeah. wise. Ben Shapiro on his podcast the other day had numbers nationwide of like 16 year olds and under who've died since February 1st. And then 16 year olds who've died of coronavirus. And the percentages are just 0.00001. I mean, it's just, you know, 30 and under 0.0002. I mean, it's just, we don't hear those numbers, and I appreciated him giving why? me those numbers. But why? Because it's not the narrative that sells, supports a viewpoint. But and how? That's this, my opinion. What but what they're selling, Bruce, is damaging our country. With they don't care. They don't care. Unemployed. Twenty-two million people unemployed. But they're not unemployed. They're not unemployed. They got jobs, man. They're reporting the so, news. They go out press conferences. Their their lives have not been impacted or affected at all. 22 million people unemployed. The, the, the rate of alcoholism, suicide, uh, the abuse, rate of domestic abuse, uh, child domestic abuse, domestic violence. It's, that's what is just gut wrenching to me because we're not allowed to choose what to do. I mean, can you imagine the prison that those people are in? Mm. 
that are suffering that? It's horrible. Man. All right. All right. So, but in all, you know, I know that everybody, I know that Dr. Acton has great intentions in her heart. And I know that Governor DeWine has great intentions in their heart. I do. I believe that with all my heart. But just, it's, you know, let's get some info. And, and I don't need pep talks. I need information. So Agreed. that's just my thing. <laughs> uh, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do a bonus podcast tomorrow because we've got yeah. time to get into the faith portion of the podcast. So tomorrow we'll get into, you know, Carson Palmer on Joe Burrow and uh, whether the Browns trade for Trent Williams or not, whether they should. Uh, I've got some interesting numbers on Urban Meyer's first-round draft picks, and I think his era compares to the Pete Carroll era at USC. We'll go through all that. Speaking of information, here's an email. Well, first of all, let me give you the information to order your coffee, world's best coffee, from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. It's the official coffee of the Spielman Hooley podcast, the coffee Chris starts his morning with every day. Uh, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters buys from growers in Nicaragua, Thailand, Ecuador, and I uh, forget the other country, uh, Ethiopia. So get your coffee from Hemisphere and save 15% off. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps or contribute your discount to COVID-19 relief and tell them that you're a Spielman Hooley listener and they'll contribute on top of your 15% discount, uh, which they have done. Uh, did you get your check from Hemisphere this week so we can give five uh, $250 checks? Um, I'll, I'll a check I'll with the check, bookkeeper. Can we... Not give five because I want to try to get to forty thousand. Okay, and and forty weeks. Okay, so just kind of. Okay, I'm sure. Not there yet, and I, I really sure, sure. am trying not to sell any more stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to have have something. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Yeah, a shirt on your back. <laughs> that your kids don't take for nightgowns. Exactly. I just, <laughs> you know. uh, but, but let's just. Uh, because I've been promising in all the interviews and social media stuff. Thousand a week, given, gotcha. Yeah, that, let's just kind of stick to that number. Okay. Uh, here's an email for information from uh, Justin. Justin is a winner of COVID-19 relief for his brother-in-law. He writes, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. By the way, that's the address you use if you would like to nominate someone. He says, good morning, Bruce and Chris. Is there any way I can get access to where Chris's wife found the 40 Days poem? that was shared on the podcast. I feel that's something I would love to share with my wife and kids, not just in audio form. Patience is being tested for all of us now. That was a great reminder of perseverance and keeping your eyes and mind in the correct places. Love the podcast, and thanks again for selecting me for COVID-19 relief. For my brother-in-law, he was very glad, as was I for him. Thanks again. Look forward to Wednesday's podcast and many more. Yeah, Justin, I'll get you that, and we'll put that on the uh, Spielman Hooley Facebook page. And our Patreon yeah. page as well. Chris sent that to me, and it is very meaningful. So uh, we will share that. Absolutely. Uh, would you like to uh, start us off on the faith portion? No, be because it was a very special day for you yesterday. And yeah. I I have just a verse I'll, sh I'll share at the end. But I want to defer to you today because I know it was your 19th wedding anniversary. Yep. And I know what marriage means to you. And I know uh, what, a, what a wonderful lady you you married and how lucky you are to, to find and i'm lucky i found it twice which is beating the odds believe me so that is uh the basis for the for my faith contribution today uh chris mentioned sherry and i were married 19 years ago yesterday um and so last night um 
I was uh, I had finished working in the yard and I came in to take a shower and the blinds in two of my kids' bedrooms were open. So I went in to shut the blinds and I look out in the front yard and I see my oldest uh, running, uh, training for soccer. I see my youngest uh, about 100 yards behind her. She's training too with her big sister. And I see my middle walking on the driveway with my wife. And I just thought, you know, wow, what if I had gotten, what if God had given me a window to see this picture 19 years ago tonight? Um, what a blessed man I am to have such a trustworthy wife, such a wise wife, such a loving, supportive, compassionate wife, and have three beautiful kids. If he had shown me this picture, um, I would have just been like, wow, all this is ahead of me. Wow, what, what, a, what a tremendous, tremendous life. And I have led a blessed life. I've had some painful things happen in my life, gone through some down periods. I've been a jerk a lot. Um, but I was reflecting last night on the blessing of family and marriage. And I thought, um, despite how great that is, salvation is the greatest gift I've ever been given. Not because I'm going to live forever, even though, you know, I am in heaven. I'll see my dad and mom. I'll meet Sonny Spielman for the first time. I'll see Steph again. Um, Sherry just lost one of her bridesmaids this past week to uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, and we'll see all those people. I have no idea what heaven's like. No idea. I got ideas, you know, I mean, I, I think, but it could be wrong. Maybe you don't know anyone in heaven. Maybe everybody's the same. I don't know. But I know this. The two times that God has imposed something on our world, it's been pretty spectacular. The birth of Christ on Christmas, the resurrection of Christ on Easter. So when God decides he's going to get involved, it's beyond anything we could ask or imagine. And as I was reflecting last night on how blessed I am to be married to Sherry, to have Katie, Rachel, Lexi, to have Chris Spielman as a friend, to have, I could list the names of 30 godly men that I am very close friends with. All of that is us awesome. But it is not what gives me peace in times of adversity or uncertainty like we're in now. What gives me peace is knowing that I don't have to strive anymore to be good enough to decide my eternal future. I serve a God who sent his son to die for me. And all I had to do was say, yes, thank you, I'll take that. I'll take that free gift. It's taken me a long time in my life to get to the point where I am truly saddened and ache in my heart for people who don't have that peace that Chris has, that I have, that faithful Christians have. Because when you have it, you have peace about your future. You have a source for encouragement, inspiration, comfort, direction. You have an answer for everything. You have a power source to get you through. And my daughter Katie the other day said to me, she goes, Dad, have you ever shared the gospel on your podcast? And I said, well, sure. I mean, we share the gospel all the time. And she goes, no, have you ever really clearly laid it out? And I thought, well, I think so, but 
you know, don't bury the lead, Bruce. So here's what it is. If you don't know, you can find it very simply in the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1, verse 19. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The basic, the beautiful thing about the gospel is it's available to everyone, but it has to be so simple that everyone can understand it. Because if it's available to everyone, but people can't understand it, what good is it, right? People can say, well, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. So here's the simplicity of the gospel. God is perfect. He would not be perfect if he allowed himself to be attached to anything that is imperfect. Think of God as this beautiful, brilliant, white, clean, blemish-free entity. And if he allows you to be in his presence and you have ever made a mistake in your life, thought something impure, done something impure, said something impure, then he's no longer pure. You've corrupted him. So he has to make a way that he can accept you and still be perfect. So he sent his son to live a perfect life and to atone, to take the blame for your imperfections. So he's put that out there. Here's your lottery ticket to salvation, peace, comfort, compassion, encouragement direction, inspiration. If you have a lottery ticket and it's in your safety deposit box and you don't take it to the authorities and cash it in, guess what? You don't get the money. If Jesus has given you the opportunity to be saved, to be accepted, to be perfect, and you don't accept it, you don't claim it as your own, it won't do you any good on the day of reckoning. So it's a free gift. You don't earn it but you have to accept it. And I'm, my heart aches for you if you don't. And I've always said, and Chris has said many times, if you're going to say no to it, know why. Just know why. Don't sail through life and get to the end of your life and go, well, wait a minute, I, I, I was baptized as a baby. Uh, wait a minute, like my, my parents took me to church. Like, uh, wait a minute, I, I gave uh, $500 to the Spielman Fund. Like, uh, wait, I'm better than that person. That person's not the standard. God's the standard. You can't meet the standard on your own. Only with Jesus can you meet the standard. And I can't implore you enough to decide for yourself. It is the most important decision that every person in the world must make. What are you going to do with what Jesus did for you at the cross? Are you going to accept it or are you going to reject it? I beg you to accept it and to live a life rich and blessed beyond even the blessings that I was reflecting on last night. Don't accept it blindly. Investigate it and then make your choice. Don't accept it because Bruce wants you to or I want you to. No. It doesn't work that way. So um, in my new spirit of living respectfully and not fearfully, uh, I was given this verse this morning. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So that's why, as you so eloquently put on your Twitter, you don't white knuckle death. 
you don't have a fear like some people. You don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to see people around me die. But it's not like it controls my every thought, my every action, my every movement, my every motion. I know the light of God is upon me. And the glory of Jesus is upon me. And I know that I've been saved and will be given eternal life. So that is why we don't live with white knuckles, Bruce. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we don't live respectful and aware of uh, other people around us. Because if the light of God is upon you, the last thing you want to do is to cause harm to somebody else. Correct. You want to help other people. That's, uh, that's my encouragement today. When I read that today, arise, shine, let's go. Yeah. Everything is your attitude and your response uh, to situations. You know, I'm not going to hide under the bed. And I'm going to rise and I'm going to shine because the light of God is upon me. I'm with you 100% on that, my friend. Sorry for the detour. I just, you It's know, okay. Um, no, I think, you know. I, and I understand. Look, I understand. And I have so much respect for Dr. Acton and, and Governor DeWine. And they're in an impossible situation. And I get it. And I respect that. But I just, I just need information so that I can make the proper choices uh, to live a free life that was given to me, not only by God, but many that preceded me and given their life. So I have these choices and access to information. We will hit you tomorrow with a uh, NFL Draft Edition, Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. So look for a bonus edition. We appreciate you listening today. I think Chris shared what's uh, on all our minds as we hopefully get ready to transition back to uh, some of what we did before. We appreciate all of you who uh, take the time to listen to what we have to say. And um, we're blessed that you guys follow us and uh, give us your time. Have a great day. Talk to you again tomorrow.